Today's a little bit different than, than most Sundays, first, part, you know, partly because I'm preaching. But this is going to be just a little bit different style message, too. Some of you, if you're on Facebook, you know that about three weeks ago I had a little accident on vacation. And I, I, I bummed up my arms, my forearms for the most part, my knee, and my, I had a couple blisters on my thumb here and on this wrist here. And, and so we're going to take a trip today. We're going to go to Colorado. Are you ready? It's going to be a real quick trip. But we're going to take a quick trip, and I want you to experience what I experienced that fateful day when I had my accident. So let's go ahead and show that first video, please. This is called an alpine slide. It's not going to be that fast forever. If you do have motion sickness, you may want to close your eyes. Because he does get going pretty quick. This track is not cement. It is fiberglass. He's going pretty good there, isn't he? This is the exact slide that I was on. I was probably going about that fast. It's about a two-minute ride, so you get your money's worth. Right here, you go down a little bit, and you start to speed up. And right after this is where I had my, uh, my incident. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where, but somewhere around, around here I had it. He's doing pretty good. Getting close to the end. Now, I have no idea who this person was. This is I found this on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and put in Alpine Slide. You'll find hundreds, probably, of these videos. Well, he's passing two people, isn't he? Now you can see there are different signs there that says do not stop, don't slow down, stuff like that. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that happened. And that happened to me, too, on the slide. Uh, this is the first time that I've ever been on a slide like this. Now, it probably won't be the last, okay? Because hopefully I learned from my experience, right? Um, it's interesting, though, what can happen when you don't know what you're doing, like being on a slide for the first time, and when you neglect to listen to, read, or follow instructions. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. And we're not going to read the whole book, but the whole book is pertinent to this message today. I just want to highlight just a few verses and then kind of explain what, what's going on here. But if you open your book to do, uh, your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, chapter 26, and we're going to start with verse 16. So Deuteronomy chapter 26, starting with verse 16, it says this, The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws, 
Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to Him, that you will keep His decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to Him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are His people, His treasured possession as He promised, and that you are to keep all His commands. Lord, again, we, we're so grateful for your word. It is truth. It doesn't just have some truth in it. It is all truth. Help us, I pray, as we look into, this, into your word. Help us to see your heart and understand what, what you want us to today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. To put it simply, the entire book of Deuteronomy is Moses passing on to the Israelites a long list of do's and don'ts. It, that's really what it is. The whole book. Real interesting stuff, isn't it? But it's there for a purpose, just like everything else is. The passage that we just read calls them decrees and laws. And there, you may have a different translation that calls them something else, but that's what they are. They're decrees or laws. They're, they're commandments that the Israelites were to follow. Several times throughout the book of Deuteronomy, Moses encourages and even warns the people to follow the commandments of God that he was given to them that day. He was given all of them this that day. Now, if you notice in verse 17, Moses also states that the people as a group declared that day that they viewed the Lord as their God. He was going to be their God and that they would walk in obedience to Him, that they would follow all of His decrees, commands, and laws. And then Moses ends that verse stating, and that you will listen to Him. In other words, the people basically said that God was their God, and He was in charge of their lives. That's what they were saying. What He said for them to do, that they would do it. I mean, that's kind of what it means when you say, I will listen to somebody, right? That you will do what they say to do. Now, this was after the Israelites had spent 40 years wandering in the desert. We're not going to go through all of that, but uh, if you remember, they had been pretty stubborn. God had brought them out of Egypt, and because of their stubbornness and their lack of obedience and their wanting to do things their own way, they end up going around and around and around for 40 years. All because the majority of Israelites wanted to be in charge of their lives instead of God being in charge. The people thought that they knew what was best. Now, I know nobody here in this room ever thinks that. You never think that you know what is best, right? That's just human nature, isn't it? The people thought they knew what was best, but they were wrong, just like you and I are wrong a lot of times. They believed that God was asking them to do something that was impossible. He was telling them to go into the promised land and possess the land, and He would go with them. But they didn't believe Him. They believed He was asking them to do something that was going to get them all killed. 
but they were wrong. Now, sure, if they had tried to do it on their own, it would have been impossible. They would not have been able to do it. But that's not what God was asking them. He was not telling them to go on their own. He was saying, I will go with you. With God, they could have done it. Remember, they had witnessed God's power when he brought the ten plagues against the nation of Egypt. They had witnessed God part the Red Sea so that they could walk across on dry land. They had witnessed God destroy the entire Egyptian army as they were swallowed up by that very same Red Sea. And they had seen and been the recipients of God's miraculous provision over and over and over again. And yet they didn't believe that God would bring them into the very land that he said he would. Doesn't make sense, does it? And now here they are 40 years later, and Moses is giving them all of these instructions, preparing them to enter the promised land. Not only that, he was preparing them to follow God and to allow him to be in charge. See, that was their mistake in the first part, wasn't it? They didn't allow him to be in charge. So they had another opportunity to choose whether or not that they would be, whether or not they would be in charge of their lives or whether or not God would be in charge. There's always a choice. There's always a choice. It's the same for us today. We will always have a choice of either letting God be in charge of us or us being in charge of us. So will you choose to listen to, read, and follow the instructions that God lays out for you, things that are given for your good? Or will you say, no thanks, God. You know, I I like your salvation. I like the fact that you died for me, Jesus, and, and, and I'll accept your salvation. I'll accept your forgiveness. But, you know, after that, I'm going to do my own thing. I want to be in charge. I want, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. But I want to be in charge. That's a choice we all make. When I was getting ready to go down that, uh, that slide, that alpine slide, there were signs giving directions on things to do and some things not to do so that we could have a safe ride, right? So let's, let's see the picture here. This is a, it was not this big, all right, but it was pretty close to this size. But you can see there's a lot of instructions there, isn't it? It's almost too much, isn't there? There's almost too much information, probably to the fact or to the point that people would just maybe ignore it like, like I did. But this is a sign that you, that you have to walk right past before you get on the lift that takes you up the mountain. And under the alpine slide uh, warning, this, this section over here, the bottom left corner, the first line says this, you are in control of your ride, to which I would add, sort of. Now, it goes on and says this. The Alpine Slide Sled is an operator-controlled device 
which presents risk of collision and injury. Now, we saw that earlier, didn't we? Unreasonable operation. Now, I wish they would describe unreasonable, don't you? What is unreasonable? I mean, is 25 miles an hour unreasonable or 35 miles an hour? Unreasonable operation of your sled, such as speeding and or overtaking, presents increased risk of injury to yourself and to others, for which you may be held responsible. Skin con This is very important. Skin contact with track while in motion on the alpine slide can cause severe, painful, and permanently scarring burns. It's possible. It really is. Now, under the, the very top portion, this says instructions. It says this. Uh, or there, there are two red circles with lines going through them. You see that? If you can't read that, it says this. The, the one on the left says, do not stand or stop on the track. No problem, right? I, I obeyed the first part of that. I didn't stand on the track. I did stop, but I didn't stand. The one on the right says, do not touch track while in motion. Now, I really, really intended to follow that one. I really did. But you know, things happen. As Austin would say, mistakes were made. Especially when you're out of control. Especially when we're out of control. Now, put up the next one. So you can kind of see, I mean, here, here's the line for people going up to the slide. And, you know, there's this picture is right here and then right above it, you know. But you can kind of see it goes up pretty, pretty far. But people have to walk right past that sign. And there might be a couple people looking at it right now. I don't know. But the sign is pretty big and it's, and it's in a very prominent spot. And everyone, again, has to walk right past it to get on that lift. At the top of the lift, there are, uh, there are other signs, and, there, and, and there's a voice recording uh, that said not to lean while on the sled. Don't lean. Now, I really didn't understand this when I was reading it or when I was listening to it. Uh, but believe me, by the time I got down, I understood like I said, there was a voice recording that was giving everyone who would listen instructions on how to ride the slide safely. Guess what? I listened for a few seconds. I don't know how long the thing actually was because I didn't listen to the whole thing. Why? Because I thought I knew better. I was like, man, I, I, I've ridden bicycles, motorcycles, snowmobiles, you know, whatever. No problem. I got this, right? This will not be a problem. Or so I thought. But isn't that just like us sometimes? Isn't that just like us? We listen to and we obey the parts of God's Word that we like. That we seem are pretty good. We see parts of, the, of God's Word that we like or we agree with and other parts that we just don't for whatever reason. And even though God has told us that all of His Word is truth, we don't always believe it. We are in charge. 
of our lives, not God. If that's how we're going to view God's Word, the Bible, then we are in charge and not Him. When I was on the Alpine slide, I was in charge. I had complete control to a point. At least I thought I did. Little did I know that being in quote-unquote complete control actually meant that it was easier for me to get out of control. I want you to watch just a short video clip. This is not the same one. It's the same slide, but it's a different person. And uh, let's go ahead and play that short clip. I don't know who this is. Again, it's on YouTube. But it's very similar to, to see that. That's what happened to me. I'm assuming it's his father that's behind him that's, that's videoing this. Because <laughs> he's very nice. <laughs> you, let me, you see that little spot on his right arm there? Okay, you can take it away. They don't want to see that. (laughs) I can guarantee you he had more than that on his body based on what I saw and based on what I experienced. But I want you to understand, what I want you to notice from this video clip is that he really didn't do anything bad I mean, it wasn't obvious that, oh man, he really shouldn't have done that. I think all that happened was he leaned. He simply leaned. That's probably what I did too. When this kid got on that slide, I'm guessing he never thought that he would fall off the sled, just like I didn't. But again, isn't that just like us? Most of us never plan to do anything that is contrary to to God's plan for us or God's word. We don't plan on giving in to temptation. We don't plan on getting out of control. It just happens, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe not. I do believe this, though. I do believe that it happens. We get out of control when we are not letting God be in control. When we are the ones that have to be in control, there's no way that God can be in control of us. There's no way that God can help us. It happens when we are not reading God's Word. It happens when we're not praying. It happens when we don't apply God's Word to our lives and and allow it to be a guide for us, a light showing us how to live. I think those are some things that can contribute to us getting out of control. David wrote Psalm 119, and we're not going to read it, but it's the longest psalm and there's, a, there's at least one portion of it that talks about God's Word and, and how David felt about God's Word and how, he, uh, how much it meant to him 
And starting with verse 97 and going through verse 112, these are just a few of the things that David wrote about God's Word. He loves it. He meditates on it all day. It makes him wiser than his enemies. It gives him more insight than his teachers. It gives him more understanding than his elders. It is a light showing him where to go. Now all those things that David talked about for himself, they can be applied to us. If we read it, if we apply it, it can be a light for us. It can give us wisdom. It can give us understanding. But if we don't put it in, there's, not, there's no way for it to affect us, is there? Here's a picture of me after receiving first aid treatment. You see the bandages on both forearms, my knee. And I like my shirt, don't you? I look a little rough. Thankfully, the shirt didn't get ruined. I, the guy that came in after me, his shirt was ruined. I mean, it, he was worse off than I was. He was really out of control. But it's amazing how quickly things can get out of our control, isn't it? We don't even have to try. We really don't. We think things are going great. We're having a lot of fun. We're in charge, only to find out that being in charge isn't always what we thought it would be. We make mistakes, some big, some small. We sin. Sometimes we sin against ourselves, but we always sin against God. Will you and I be obedient from our hearts to live according to the way that God teaches us in His Word? We were talking about this in my Sunday school class earlier. All of God's Word is given to us because He loves us. There's nothing there that shouldn't be there. There's a reason and a purpose for all of it. We just have to apply it. We have to read it and apply it. Will we let God be in charge? Or will you and I be in charge of our lives? When I was getting fixed up at the first aid station, along with some others who thought they knew better too, they put Vaseline on our wounds. I can't imagine how much Vaseline they go through in a day. It, it has to be a lot. Because there was a continual flow continual flow of people going. We'd walk around the area there and people say, Alpine slide? Oh yeah, you too, I see. Yeah. It wasn't just guys either, ladies. It wasn't just us guys. And you know what? When we left that area, there was one thing on my mind. Find some more Vaseline. <laughs> Now, they gave us a little packet to go home with, but that wasn't going to last very long. We went to the only grocery store in the area. If you're ever in Winter Park, Colorado, you'll understand. There's not a lot there besides mostly shopping and restaurants. Well, not a lot of restaurants either. But there's not a lot of grocery stores. 
So we went to the one grocery store, nothing. Now, we found three spots where there's supposed to be some kind of Vaseline. It was all gone. Somebody who was on the Alpine slide before us must have gotten there before us. We asked someone at the store, hey, is there any, anywhere else in town you think might sell Vaseline? They gave, they, they gave us one name. They didn't sell Vaseline. They didn't sell it. I was starting to get a little nervous. Because one of the things that the medical personnel said was, don't let your wounds dry out. You need to keep them moist, and Vaseline is the way to do it. So, all right. And then somebody else on Facebook, they said the same thing. Use Vaseline. So we were looking. We were determined to find it, but we couldn't. I'm guessing within about a 20-mile radius, we, we searched to no avail. We finally went back to where we were staying with my folks and my sister and her family, and my mom had some Vaseline. So we were good for at least a day or so. Now, why am I ta talking so much about Vaseline? What's so important about this? Did you know that oil is one of the symbols in the Bible for the Holy Spirit? If you read your Bible, you would know that. Oil is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Vaseline is petroleum jelly, a byproduct of oil. I did a little bit of research into Vaseline, and it was very interesting. Did you know that Vaseline is 140 years old? That's older than Riney. You're supposed to laugh, Riney. 140 years old. The name Vaseline is a combination of two words. Wasser. Did I say that correct? The German word for water. And oleon, the Greek word for oil. Vaseline heals by locking in moisture in the dry skin. It also protects the skin from, outside, from the outside by keeping dirt and other contaminants out of it. Perhaps the most interesting thing that I discovered about Vaseline is that it heals from the inside out. It heals from the inside out. To me, that sounds a lot like the Holy Spirit. He heals us from the inside out. If my wounds were going to heal properly, I needed to find some Vaseline or petroleum jelly, some form of it, to put on them, but it wasn't readily available when I was looking for it. They were out. It was gone. Thankfully, the healing power, the healing balm, of the Holy Spirit is always available. It is always in plentiful supply. It does not run out. When you and I mess up because we want to be in charge of our lives instead of God being in charge, the Holy Spirit is always there waiting, waiting for us to welcome Him. He's waiting to help to, to heal us, to restore us, 
from the inside out and bring us back into a right relationship with God the Father. Because you see, when we're in charge and we get out of control, it's kind of hard to have that right relationship with God, isn't it? We don't have to go searching, hoping to find the Holy Spirit. He is always there. He is always waiting for us. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, it says this, If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Pretty straightforward. I mean, I, I don't think I need to expound on those verses at all. It, it, it's pretty easy to understand. If you and I want the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we must obey the commandments of Christ. Very simple. Not only that, but our obedience to Christ also shows that we love Him. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Yes, there are things in the Bible that we should do and things we shouldn't do, but they're not burdensome to us. They're there for our benefit, for our protection even. The New Living Translation puts it this way, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome, for every child of God defeats this evil world and will achieve this victory through our faith. Every child of God has access to the Holy Spirit so that we can defeat the evil in this world. So if you and I want to overcome the world, if we want to have the power to resist temptation, all you need to do is have faith. That's what it says. John writes that anyone who is a child of God, who is born again, defeats this evil world. I think the question is, do we really believe that? Do I really believe this? Or is it just words on a page? Is it a nice concept? Do I really believe what this says? To me, this also begs some questions. Why do people continue to live in defeat? Why do Christians live in defeat? Why do people continue to give in to the same temptations over and over and over again? Why do people struggle to live their lives in ways that are pleasing to God? 
I think the answer that we are given here in 1 John 5 is they're not accessing the power that allows them to defeat the world. The world is defeating them. We have a choice each and every day. A choice of whether or not we will follow God and His commandments, His directions, His plans. We have a choice whether or not we will read God's Word, which is spiritual nourishment, is spiritual food for our soul. We have a choice if we will commit to be in God's house, like today, to hear God's Word. We have a choice if we'll attend Bible studies, whether it's in the church or outside the church. Places where we can go to go deeper, not just in God's Word, but even in relationships with other people that can also encourage us and help us grow in our faith. I could go on and on and on about different ways, different examples that could help us to grow in our faith. Different ways that we can live our lives more pleasing to Him. Different ways that we could help that, that could help us to grow in our faith so that we can be strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we live our lives for God and not for ourselves, when He is in charge instead of us, our lives are different. They have to be different. If God's in charge instead of us, something has to be different. Unfortunately, that does not guarantee that, we'll always, that we are always going to understand what is happening. But here's the thing. We don't need to understand everything that's going on in our lives. If we did, there would be no need for faith, would there? We still need faith. God wants to be in charge of your life and my life. He will not force himself because that's not how he operates. It's a choice that he gives to us. We have to allow him to be in charge. We have to allow him to be in control of us. Maybe you need to ask yourself this question. How good a job have I been doing by me being in charge? For some of you, it may not be too bad. For others, it probably hasn't been too great. And for some of us, it's been pretty awful. Maybe there have been seasons in your life where you have done a better job of allowing God to be in charge. But right now, you occupy that position where you're still in charge of your life. It's time to put God back in charge. We don't plan, at least I haven't planned, on moving away from God. I don't think that's something that people plan on doing. It's something that happens when we don't stay in fellowship, when we don't stay connected to Him, when we don't read His Word and understand what it says, when we don't pray so that He can speak to us, 
when we're not in, with other believers so that they can speak into our life or we can speak into theirs. It's kind of hard for God to operate when we're in charge. Someone in our Sunday school class this morning said, God will love us all the way to hell. Basically saying, He will love us, but He will allow us to choose to go that direction if we want. But He still loves us. He doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us to go in that direction on our own. He wants us to be in a relationship with Him. That's what He wants. And He's made it so easy for us. He's made it so easy. God wants what is best for His children. He wants what is best for you and what is best for me. Not only that, He knows what is best. But if He's not in charge, if we're not connected to Him and allowing Him to speak into our life, how are we going to know that? God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God desires to have a close relationship with you. God knows what lies ahead for you. I don't have a clue. Neither do you. What's going to happen tomorrow? Now, we have plans. We have an idea of what we think is going to happen, but we really don't know. But God does. Not only that, He knows what's going to happen 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. He knows. God has given us His Word and His Holy Spirit so that we can be guided by Him, so that we can follow Him, so we can know what He expects from us, and so that we can have the power to walk in His ways. He is simply waiting for us to give Him control. That's it. He's waiting for us to give him control. Lana, if you would come to the piano, please, and just play something. Everyone, just if you could just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment, if you would. We don't want to move on until we've given an, an, an opportunity for people to put God in charge. Maybe you're here today and you have never allowed God to be in charge of your life. You've never invited Him into your life. You've never asked Him to forgive you. And now you realize you need Him. You need to be forgiven. You need to allow Him to be in charge of your life. If you're here this morning and you would like to invite Christ into your life for the first time, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? Would you stand? All of us are at a different place with God. No one here is exactly like somebody else. For some of us, 
God's in charge 100%. Some of us, maybe it's 75%. Maybe for some others, it may be 50% or less. I think I'm pretty safe in saying that God wants it to be 100% for every one of us. He wants 100% of us. If you're here this morning, I'm, we're, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna pray and just open this, this, these altars here. If you wanna come and pray, asking God to just be maybe a little bit more in charge than he was earlier today. Maybe you have another need. I'd be happy to pray with you. I know this. When we're in charge, things just don't go the way they should. They just don't. When God's in charge, I can trust Him. Even though I don't understand it, I can still trust Him to know what's best for me. And so I want Him to be in charge of my life. And I hope you want that same thing. I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, you can be dismissed. But if you want to come down and find a place to pray or, or find a place that where, you're, where you're standing, you're welcome to do that. But I hope that you will allow God to be a little bit more in charge of your life. That you will grab on to His Word and His Holy Spirit that they can be active in your life more than they are right now. Heavenly Father, you love us, you care for us, and you want to be in charge of our lives, not because you're power hungry, that's not it at all, but because you love us and you know what is best for us. And if we will put you in charge of everything, Lord, we can trust you and know that you have our best interests in Father, may we be more willing to step back and allow you to be there for us. May we not be so concerned about being in charge of everything in our lives, but may we put you in charge. Help us to read your word and and to understand it and apply it to our lives. Help us to seek the power of your Holy Spirit to give us the strength, the wisdom, the understanding that we need for each and every day. We're grateful for it. We're grateful for you, Lord. Go with us now, I pray in Jesus' name.